And so the book of Ezekiel this morning, uh, chapter number three. Now, a lot of you knew where to turn. You already knew where to turn. Uh, they, they always tell us that whatever you're doing in the new year, that's what you'll do, you know, all year long. You ever heard that? Well, if that's the case, I'm going to sleep a lot this year because I was sound asleep when the new year came in. And so that, you know, sound asleep. But let me see if I can say it this way. You know, so many times, if you're not careful, we can get caught up in the doing. Okay, so the doing becomes what we're about. We're all about the doing. And this is a doing church. We work. We work a lot. Matter of fact, we, <laughs> we work a great deal. You know, there's a lot of manual labor goes into what we do. And if we're not careful, that's that we get focused on that and that alone. But I want you to, this morning, I want to preach the first message of the year. And I want to give you the bottom line, what we're about and what we're doing. And I want this to set the, the pace. And I want this to set the tone for everything else I'll say in the entire year. I want it to set the tone for everything we'll do in the coming year. I want, I want this message to, to be the, the banner, the letterhead on which we fill out the, the to-do list. Okay? It's found in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number three. Now, I actually, the first time I preached this message was in, at a different church where I was filling in in, in the January the 3rd, 1982. It was, about, it was below zero that year. It was really cold. And I preached, that, I preached there. And then my first, uh, my first New Year's in 1985, on January the 6th, 1985, I preached this message here. I have since preached this message here every year on the first service. I'm looking back, I think that there was, uh, I'm looking at my, at my notes here, it varies, but it's usually within the first seven days. I think that, that pretty well is, is standard. And this year it falls on the first. This is the 39th time that I've preached this message from this pulpit on this day. So we're now in our 39th year here at Anchor. Would you stand with me? I'm going to read the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 3, and I want you to look at verse number 16 down through verse number 21. And I want you to, to, to watch for two words. I want you to watch for the word wicked. And I want you to watch for that word, two W words, wicked. Let's watch for the word wicked. And then I want you to watch for the word watchman. Watchman. So the Bible says in Ezekiel 3, 16, and it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou give him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will require, I require it, thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. I want, to note, I want you to notice that the word watchman is found there once. 
And the word wicked is found there seven times, uh, seven separate times. I'm going to read a separate passage. You don't have to turn if you want to turn. It's just a few pages over. Ezekiel 33, the same thing happens again. It's the same. It's an it's a echo. But the Lord uses a little different wording when he gives the same message a second time to Ezekiel. And so in Ezekiel 33, a little different emphasis. I want you to watch for the word, again, watchman and watch for the word wicked. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33, verse number one, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he bloweth the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Verse number six, but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but that his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Verse seven, so thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt uh, hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. If read correctly, the word wicked shows up here five times. In the previous passage, it was seven times, but notice in the latter one, the word watchman was only one time in Ezekiel 3, but now the word watchman appears four times in the book of Ezekiel uh, chapter number 33. And so with that introduction and with that thought, I would like to look at the thought, uh, a, the worthy watchman, the worthy watchman. Can we pray? Father, we ask for your help. Lord, we need more than just tradition. Lord, we need more than just routine. Lord, we need more from this message than just it's the first of the year and we always do this. Lord, we need a fresh touch and a fresh help and a fresh vision and a fresh burden, Lord, or else everything that we do is in vain. So, Lord, I pray that the truth of your word would frame every effort that's put forth from this day forward throughout this year. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Thank you very much. and <coughs> Please be seated. I would begin this morning by saying uh, that uh, there, and I want to look at the thought, the person or the man who makes a worthy watchman. How is it that we become watchmen? How, how, how does that work, preacher? Well, I'm back in Ezekiel 3 in verse number 16, actually in verse number 17, he says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. I have made thee a watchman. I want you to understand that we are appointed of the Lord. And you say, well, who am I? Uh, you know, who am I to do anything? Well, you're appointed of the Lord. You don't get a higher appointment than that. Uh, years ago, uh, there was a deacon who had been arrested, and he actually wasn't arrested. He was, he was kidnapped in the middle of the night, and he was being held by the secret police in Egypt. And uh, uh, I got papers from then Charles Taylor, uh, our 
representative, our congressional representative, and I got official paperwork that I was his envoy, that I was there on a fact-finding mission, and that I was there to try to see what I could do with the, with the Egyptian government. I took that paper. I went to the American consulate in Cairo. I met with the high officials there. They arranged a meeting, and that meeting that they arranged, I actually had a, a, a state-level meeting with the governor of Alexandria. They come to my hotel and pick me up in a Mercedes. We had an armed escort. We had police in the front and the back. And somebody said, I bet, guess that made you feel better, didn't it? Uh, no, it meant shoot the guy in the middle car between the blue lights. Shoot the one in the middle. That's the pigeon, you know, get him. That's what I felt like. We roll out in front of the governor of Alexandria's office, marble steps, they open the door, I step out of a Mercedes Benz, and when I do, here's soldiers standing all lined up up the stairs. I, I start up the stairs, and they all come to attention, and they all put their guns up, and I walk up uh, these long marble staircase with all these soldiers standing at attention. At the top of the stairs, they opened the doors, and this lady greeted me in English, and we went in, and we had lemonade, and, they, and, and we'd made small talk, and she told us about what was going to take place, and then she said, I, we hope that you don't mind, said the, the, uh, the press is here. And we have cameras here, and we have the press here, and, and the governor wants to have a short uh, press uh, with you. And I'm thinking, I'm here to complain. What's he wanting to do? Well, little did I know that when we went in the governor's office, that he went on in Arabic to explain that the United States had just given $60 million to improve the sewers in Alexandria, and that I was the American emissary and that he was thanking me for fixing the sewers of Alexandria. And we were on television in Alexandria as being a representative from the United States fixing the sewers. After we got done, he wanted to put me in the sewer when we got done with him. Nobody told me that he was, had been educated in the United States. Nobody told me he spoke as good English as I did. Nobody said a thing because he spoke through an interpreter. And we kept going through the interpreter back and forth. And so uh, we kept doing that. And uh, so uh, as a result of that, I, I was speaking freely. I had another preacher with me. And I said, I, we were talking back and forth about this deacon and about them arresting him and about having him, you know, uh, held without charges. I bet they had him in prison. And he, he, we got through talking through the translator. And I turned to my friend and I said, he's lying. When I said that, he come across that desk. Son, he wasn't a bit happy. He understood what I said. Matter of fact, he let me have it in English. Matter of fact, he used a few English words that I can't repeat. Of course, all the cameras were gone by that time. And I'll be honest with you, I, 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 I was concerned for my life. I was, I really was. They bugged my room. And uh, I proved it. We had towels, but I said, I said watch this. And I said, we don't have any towels. I don't know what happened to housekeeping. Housekeeping didn't bring any towels. But we need some towels in our room. It wasn't 30 seconds till a knock come on the door and a woman had towels. So I could get room service without picking up the phone. All I had to do was just say it out loud. They had bugged the room because of, and, and listen, it wasn't because I was a preacher. It wasn't because of, it was because I had been appointed by congressional authority, I was there appointed to do business 
on behalf of the United States, and they recognized that completely. I was a nobody. I'm a country preacher, and yet I was suddenly thrown into the national spotlight on, on Egyptian television being thanked for fixing the, th the sewers. You talk about a situation. And so I want you to understand. And by the way, I'm not sure but what they didn't do something to my food because that's the trip I almost died on. I come one snap of dying over there. And so I'm not sure but what I didn't get poisoned deliberately. And uh, I, I come home with a bad case of hepatitis. And I, I'm, after thinking about it through the years, I think that I probably, they probably uh, contaminated my food because I was the only one sick out of the whole group. But I was also the one that called the governor a liar. And so, but I was appointed. Can I say to you, hey, we have all the boldness to march up the steps of the governor's palace because we have, we're an envoy for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You have, the, you have that, you have been appointed. And somebody said, well, who am I and what am I? Listen, you have been appointed a watchman. If you're saved by the grace of God, you have been appointed. And you have to know that, that you are appointed. But you also have to be acquainted. Acquainted, not only appointed by the Lord, but acquainted with the Lord. The scripture says in verse 3, he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll. One of the most horrific things in the world is to be in a situation to where you get outgunned with the Bible or in situations where you can't have your Bible. Did you know that I was not allowed to take a Bible into Saudi Arabia? So the only Bible I had was what I had in my head. That's all, I, they would not allow it. If they'd have caught a Bible, they'd have, they'd have kicked me out because I was there as a press, I was on press credentials during the first Gulf War. And so if I'd have come in with a Bible, I wouldn't have been allowed in. So I couldn't take my Bible in. So everything that I had, I had to be acquainted. I had to have it inside me because I couldn't carry a copy of the Word of God and get it on the press credentials. You don't go to Saudi Arabia on a visit. You don't just say, well, I think I'm gonna go to Saudi Arabia and check it out. No such thing. You go because you are invited. And that's the only way. And I was there uh, through, actually I was there because of an invitation uh, from uh, the senator uh, from, from our state. And, and that's how I got there on those credentials. But Mr. Jesse Helms got me in. And that's how that, all that worked. I'm talking about being acquainted with the Lord. But then you can be appointed and acquainted. But let me tell you something, you're going to need more than that. You need to be anointed of the Lord. You got to have it. I'm facing some things this week that it, I'm over my head. I've got to go to Kentucky and I, I've got some things that are over my head and I know I'm over my head. I'm way out of my league and I know it. But can I tell you, if the Holy Ghost of God will, will do his work, if the Holy Ghost will, will do the anointing, I've seen it happen. I've seen it work. As a matter of fact, the anointing of God, the, the press don't know what to do with that. The, the prosecutors don't know what to do with the anointing of God. They're scared of it. They don't know what to do with it. And if you ever get the anointing of God, friend, suddenly, hey, they'll be chasing you with cameras and dogging you and hounding you and going all this mess. But you get the anointing of God on you just right and you can't find one of them. 
I've proved it. I've had to go hunt them down and said, oh, no, you don't. You will hear what I have to say. Oh, no, you don't. You will come. You will listen. When I'm ready, hey, you dogged me for a week, and now when I'm ready to say something, you run high? No way. You are going to, t- you're going to print what I got to say. And, uh, yeah, you're going to print it. You're going to print all of it. You've got, you've got to chop it up. I'm talking about the anointing. Somebody said, but preacher, is that not scary? You couldn't believe how scary it is. You couldn't believe how gut-wrenching it is to, to be in a situation that you know you're way over your head. But I want to say the other thing is when, when the Spirit of God comes on a man just right, you feel like Samson. You feel like you can reach and get the gates and pick them up by the roots if you ever get God on you just right. We've got to have not only the, the know that we're appointed and know that, and, and then to be acquainted, but we've got to, uh, we've got to uh, appointed and acquainted, but we've got to have, be anointed. And the scripture says in, in verse number 12 of Ezekiel 3, and the Spirit took me up. Verse number 14, so the Spirit lifted me up. The latter part of the verse says, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. I need, I need that desperately this coming week on Tuesday at 1 o'clock uh, in Owensboro, Owensboro, Kentucky. I need the anointing of God more than you ever know. I need you to set your watch and pray because I need the wisdom of God beyond myself and a lot's riding on it. I'm talking about the man who makes a worthy watchman. And by the way, God don't bless no mess. If you want to be used of God, if you want to be anointed of God, my friend, you're going to have to have some clean living in your life because you want something to quench the anointing. It's wicked, unconfessed sin. It'll quench it down and you you won't have the anointing on your life. And so there's the man who makes a worthy watchman. Uh, but I want to say, secondly, there's the message. There's the message of a worthy watchman. The message is found in the Ezekiel 3, verse number 17. The Bible says, and give them warning from me. We are to warn men from God. I want you to understand that God is saying, don't allow sinful men to come into my presence. I've had people say to me, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to argue my case. My friend, you're not going to say a word. There'll be no, there'll be no, it's not going to be like that. There are going to be some words uttered out of your mouth, according to the scripture. And by the way, lost people will confess Jesus Christ as Lord, but it's going to be too late. They're going to bow their knee at the great white throne judgment and they're going to confess him as Lord just before they're sentenced to eternal damnation. According to the scripture, we are to warn men from God. A lot of people don't understand that he's holy. And anything short of his holiness that comes into his presence is going to be banished. And so don't dare Don't dare, don't dare stand before holy God in your sin. Because if you do, there's only one remedy, and that is eternal damnation. But for those who will throw yourself on the mercy of the court, hallelujah. For those who will heed the warning, for those that will say, I'm guilty before you get there. And you'll say, I'm guilty, and I deserve hell, and I deserve what's coming my way. But I ask Christ Jesus to come into my heart and forgive me. My friend, then, hallelujah, 
You won't, you won't face, you know, you, you know, somebody said, well, when we stand before God, he's going to ask us, why should I let you into my heaven? That's not the way it's going to work. But if it was going to work, the only passcode is this. If God were to ask you, why, why are you going to come into heaven? Why should I let you into heaven? The only answer is because I've received Jesus Christ, your son, by faith. And I'm trusting him and what he did on the cross of Calvary. I'm trusting him to get me in. And if it was set up like that, the Lord would say, enter in. That's the password. You see, the only thing that, the only currency that God deals in is blood. But not corrupt blood of bulls and goats, but the bl perfect blood. The blood of his son. And that's what was offered to keep us. And to, so we are to warn men from the Lord. You've heard the song about the lighthouse. I think we'll still play it. There's a U.S. destroyer. Its fog is thick. He sees a light in the distance. And he comes on the radio and he said, this is a U.S. destroyer. He said, adjust your course 10 degrees to the south. And uh, the voice comes back and said, uh, negative. You adjust your course 10 degrees to the north. And he says, negative. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a captain. Uh, you, uh, you adjust your course. And he comes back and he says, I'm a seaman. You adjust your course. He comes back. He said, I'm a U.S. naval destroyer. Adjust your course. And he comes back. He says, I'm the lighthouse. Captain, you better adjust your course. You better. I'm warning you, Captain, you fixing to make shipwreck. You better adjust your course. Warn men from the Lord. But I want to say, warn men for the Lord. The warning is from him, but the warning, uh, my friend, to do it on his behalf. In other words, we're doing the work of God and warning people, hey, the bridge is out. Don't go this way. The road is closed. Don't do this. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel chapter 3, verse number 20, he says, he shall die because thou hast not given him warning. Verse number 21 says, he shall surely live because he is warned. Can I, do you understand that it is God? God the Father who's, who loves us so much that he, he tells us and he, and, he, and he sets up and he says, don't do this. Don't, hey, on my behalf, don't come this way. So we are to warn men from God. We are to warn men for God, but we are to win men to God. What's the bottom line, preacher? That we're to win people to Christ. I looked it up in the year 2022, and, and of course, because of, because of COVID, I suppose, we lost 183,671 people per day worldwide. You imagine that many funerals, 183,000 a day. Break it out. By the time that we've met this morning, by the time I finish from 11 to 12 in one hour, 7,653 humans will have entered eternity. It's over. If you break it down, that's 128 people a minute that are dropping off into eternity. And if you break it down, 
the pause I just made, 2.13 people just entered eternity. Every second, over two people die. Every second of every day. Do you understand why it's important that we warn people? We win people that we warn people from God, that we warn people for God, that we win people to God. And I want you to understand our ranks are diminishing. Christianity supposedly is the largest religion in the world, but you count all of the Catholics, you count all the cults, you count all everybody in Christendom. It's the largest in the world. But when you start talking about being born again, when you start talking about how many people believe that you must be born again, the numbers, they, 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 they wane quickly. I just got through reading an article that said that young people under the age of 40, when you ask them, uh, they, they were filling out a questionnaire and they said, uh, there are more ways to heaven than one. Buddha is good, Muslim is good, Muhammad is good, Jesus is good. All these are, 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 are good ways to heaven, acceptable ways to heaven. 60% of the population of people who said they were born again, 60% agreed with the statement, Buddha and, and Muhammad are ways to heaven. Somebody's messed up. Amen. You understand where we are? You understand what's going on? I'm talking about win people to the Lord. <clears throat> so there's the man who makes a worthy watchman. There's the message of the worthy watchman. But then there is the motive of a worthy, worthy watchman. I deliberately use chapter 33 for this point because... The word watchman is mentioned more often. And so I'm looking at Ezekiel chapter 33, if you'll turn there and follow with me. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33, verse number 8, When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou doest not speak to warn the wicked from his way, and the wicked man die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hands. Can I tell you, our motive ought to be, number one, to get the blood off of our hands. Do you understand that if we fail to warn, then our hands are bloody. And I don't know that it's necessary for me to go into the details, but I've got blood on my hands. I went to a funeral to, of a man I was supposed to witness to, and I didn't. I'll tell you something. I don't know that I've ever been to a, a more morbid, a more horrible thing in my life. I've been to funerals where, praise God, it was like camp meeting. Everybody knew where their loved one was at. I mean, it was shout to victory. I mean, it was shouted out. The presence of God's real. I mean, people leave and say, praise God, why do we got to stop now? And I say, well, we got to go to the cemetery before it gets dark, you know. I mean, I'm talking about God move in. We've had it here in this place. We've had God move in on us. I, during, during funerals, I mean, God move in on us. But while I've been to some, especially one, stands out in my mind where I should have went, and I didn't, and that man died. As far as I know, he died lost. I want you to understand, they get the blood off of our hands. But number two, or secondly, our motive, not only get the blood off of our hands, but to get the blood on their heads. That's the, I mean, that's the most important thing. Ezekiel 33, 4, Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and take not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. So we're getting it off of our hands 
and were getting it on their heads. I want you to understand that if you've done that, it's not on you. As far as I know, I've preached the last message to a bunch of people. I was the last one to ever talk to them, as far as I know, about the things of God. I had one fall dead on the sidewalk in Brevard. I mean, fall dead right on the sidewalk. He had an aneurysm that exploded in the top of his heart. He was dead before his head hit the asphalt. I had just talked to him the night before, and he wept with bitter tears. But the group in jail where I was at in jail with him, they started heckling him. And they started making fun of him. And he suddenly said, not today, preacher, not today. But he's not the only one. I'm sad to tell you there's been more. And as far as I know, God woke me in the middle of the night. And... I went to the hospital. I couldn't get in. I was trying to get in. I had a, a, a navy blue pinstripe suit. And this is like three in the morning. It's cold. God woke me and said, you need to go. So I got up and went. And I, I, the doors were partly shut. So I was trying to squeeze through the doors to get in. And I caught my coat on the little old hook thing where the things hooked together and tore the back out of that new suit. Never will forget it. I went up to the floor. I went to the tent secure unit. This man had been unconscious for days. And I walked in and a woman looked at me. She said, how'd you get here? I said, well, I, I felt like I needed to be here. and I needed to see so-and-so. And she said, he's in a coma. I said, he hasn't known a soul ever since he got here. I said, you can't talk to him. I said, well, all I know is I was asleep. All I know is I woke up with a strong burden on my heart to talk to him about the things of God. And I said, can I at least go see him and pray over him? She said, yeah, sure, go ahead. You've come all this way, go ahead. I walked over, sure enough, he's out of it. All hooked up, everything a beeping, all this stuff. So I said, Lord, I don't know why I'm here, but Lord, I'm here. And I bowed beside that bed in intensive care and I prayed quietly. I said, Lord, I'm confused. I don't know why I'm here, but Lord, I've done what you've asked. I stood up and the man I went to see said, what are you doing here, Randy? He was as alert as I was. He said, where am I? I told him. He said, well, how did I get here? I told him. He said, what time is it? And I told him. He said, what are you doing here? I said, God woke me and told me to come tell you about your never dying soul. And I, I, I made the plan of salvation as clear as anything I've ever known. I made it as clear as I possibly could. And he said, well, he said, uh, I'm, I'm a feeling better, so I think I'm going to get out of here. Said, uh, said uh, I, I believe I'm getting out of here. And he said, I, I appreciate you coming by. Said, I'm hungry. I said, I didn't come over here. Listen, there's a reason that God did this. This is, this is serious. There's a reason God did this. And he said, I, and I appreciate you coming. But not today. I went to the bookstore in Asheville. This was before the days of cell phones and pagers. Pagers had just come out. 
While I was over there, they took him to the hospital. He was screaming for me. I was in the bookstore at Asheville. He died screaming with fear on his face. His son took his fist and destroyed the room they were in. Punched the sheetrock out of the room they were in in a rage. They asked me to do his funeral. I read the 23rd Psalm. It was snowing. I read the 23rd Psalm and turned to walk away from the graveyard. And my aunt grabbed me as we was walking away. And she, she grabbed, him, grabbed me by the shoulder and she said, Could you not have given us any hope? I said, he's in the hands of a just God. And he knew the way. Whether or not he found the way, I can't say. But he knew the way. And I tell you why I know he knew. I told him. I told him the way. The blood is off of my hands. The blood is now on his head. But I want you to understand that even that's not the motive of the worthy watchman. A worthy watchman is not just to get the blood off of our hands, not just to get the blood on their own heads. But my friend, the, the work of a worthy watchman is in verse number 5. He that heareth the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be on him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul, hallelujah, to get the blood on their hearts. That's the bottom line. To, to, for them to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. That they might know Christ and the free pardon of sin. My friend, and that's got to be the motivating factor of everything we do here. It's got to be. It's got to be the motivating factor of everything we do at the warehouse of everything we do in the school and the Bible college and on the radio and all the other aspects, it's got to be the bottom line. We are not a social program. We are not a humanitarian aid group, my friend. We are a church, and the, and the purpose of the church is to win people to Christ. That's the purpose. That's why we're here. And that's the only reason we exist. I thought about I thought about doing this, but for time I won't. Several years ago, I don't remember who I use now, I don't remember, but I remember I brought in somebody up here, and I brought somebody on this side. And I would say, okay, now both of you go get you somebody, bring them to the Lord. And so they'd go out and they'd come back. And on this side, I said, all right, now, now preacher, you, you're the only one. The one you brought, just stay up here. Now, preacher, you go get you another one. Now, over here, you've discipled this fellow. Now, both of you go get two more. Each one reach one. And before long, there was not anybody left in the auditorium. And over here, he had about a dozen. Over here, they were standing full and all the way around that side. Because every time, each one would go get somebody else. Consider the math. If a person was to reach one a month, how many people do we come in contact in a month? If we reached one a month in the coming year, if you reached one in January and one in February and one in March and that's all they did, you'd have, you and, you'd have 12 standing over here. You would be 13. If you reached somebody every month of the year, just every month, 30 days average, you'd, reach, you'd have 13 people. But if January you were to reach somebody, you'd have two. If those two would be discipled and would go out and reach two more in February, you'd have four. In March, you'd have four more, you'd have eight. 
in May, in April, you'd have eight, would reach eight, you'd have 16. And then in May, if 16 people would reach the 16 people more, you'd have 32. In June, those 32 would reach 32 more, you'd have 64. In July, those 64 reach 64 more, you'd have 128. In August, if the 128 would reach another 128, you'd have 256, and that's when you'd start a building program. In September, your 256 would reach 256, you'd have 512 converts. If in October the 512 reached 512, you'd have 2,000, excuse me, you'd have 1,024. In November, if the 1,024 reached another 1,024, you would have 2,048. And by New Year's Eve of 2023, if the 2,048 would reach another, just 12 people in the month of December would reach, would reach one person, if each person, 248, would reach another person, 2,048, you'd have 4,096 people that you've reached through discipleship. Not through addition, but through multiplication. We'll never reach the world if we reach them by addition. We've got to train those that we reach. The first thing you do is go reach someone else. Each one, teach one and reach one. And you continue that method to the purpose. But, but, but get this, that's if one person did it. Just one person did one a month. And every month we, du we, we doubled it. But what if 50 people reached 50 in January? And then that 100 reached another 100 in February. Now you got 200. And if that group reached another 200 in, in March, now you got 400 by March. Do you see what I'm talking about? You say, preacher, that all sounds good on math, but it don't work like that. Well, the bottom line is it's because we don't work it. There are people who need the gospel. There are even people who want to hear the gospel. But somehow or another, we tend to get distracted. My friend, my goal is that we've got a whole group of young converts that this time next year we can say, everybody that got saved in, this, in the year 2023, raise your hand. And there'd be a multitude of hands go up of people that got born again. You say, well, preacher, we, you know, we've had some say, I know, but you understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being the watchman that God would have us to be. And immediately we say, well, preacher, times are hard and things are bad. And that's always the time that the church has flourished. Listen, we didn't do so well when things were going our way. It's always been in the time of persecution. It's always been in the time when the heat's turned up. It's always been at the time when the politics are against us. It's always, that's always been when the church flourished. The disciples are sitting at Jerusalem, fat, dumb, and happy. The Lord Jesus has said, go you into all the world, and they didn't. So you know what he did? He brought persecution down upon the church, and they fled. And when they fled, they took the gospel with them. And my friend, it was like trying to stamp out a, a, a pastor fire. The more they stomped, uh, the more it spread, and the gospel was carried to the ends of the earth because of the persecution of the Roman government. I'm here to tell you, God's got a plan, and his plan works.
The problem is we've got to work his plan if we're to see results. I'm interested in what the scripture says. Son of man, Ezekiel 3.17, I have made thee a watchman. Let's bow our heads together.